to NeuroPodcases, a neuroscience podcast created for medical students. To get the most out of this episode, we recommend downloading the supplementary case notes which are available on Vital. Here you'll find more information about the case, including history, examination and investigation findings. We hope you enjoy listening. registrars working at the Walton Centre. I'm here today with Dr Dugan, one of our neuromuscular consultants, and we're going to discuss a case. The case involves a 55-year-old left-handed gentleman whose presenting complaint is numbness to his feet. Uh, when he's seen in the outpatient department, he says that he first noticed a strange, uncomfortable sensation in his feet around six months ago. Since, since then, it's progressed, and it's now more painful, and has spread up to his knees, and now is involving his fingertips. It's affecting his walking as he feels less stable and has nearly fallen a few times. He's also beginning to struggle using his phone. He has no systemic symptoms or weight loss. In terms of his past medical history, he has type 2 diabetes that was diagnosed 10 years ago and also has chronic kidney disease secondary to his diabetes. He's hypertensive and has a history of alcohol dependency and continues to drink now and he also suffers with reflux. His medicines include metformin, glycoside, omeprazole and ramipril. In terms of his social history, he's not currently working and will drink approximately three litres of vodka over the course of a week, and he's a smoker of ten a day. So, Dr Dugan, although this is a brief history, are there any important points that can be taken from it before approaching the examination? Yeah, hi Sarah. So, um, this is a not untypical case that we would see, and one of the things that you want to clarify is the nature of the pain so patients will often tell you whether it's burning, stinging, and that often can be quite useful in trying to work out whether this is a, a nerve-type pain or whether it's pain from joints uh, or peripheral vascular disease or some other um, system being involved. But we have got quite a lot of clues from the history as to the past medical history and these are very important in this case. Um, of particular note is the diabetes, which has been long-standing and has been presumably poorly controlled because, or, or that he's been unfortunate, he has renal involvement. So both the diabetes per se and the uremia from renal involvement could both be important in the etiology. Um, the other thing to note is that, of course, the alcohol is highly relevant here, um, so there's likely to be a number of concurrent factors that are important in the etiology. Other things I would have liked to ask uh, to extend the history would be his smoking history, any past medical history of things like cancer or any particular treatments for cancers, so, for example, chemotherapy, particularly the vinca alkaloids such as vincristine, um, can cause uh, a painful neuropathy. He's not given that history, and there's lots of other reasons here, but there are just things to think about drawing out in the past medical history. The drugs are clearly important as well, so his drug history is not particularly pertinent, but some patients can be on statins. That can be important in the etiology, so worth thinking about. The other thing is review of systems. So it would be very important in a 55-year-old man is in the age group where this may be a cancer-associated neuropathy. So I would tend to ask him 
after I've got the main history to ask about systemic factors such as weight loss, night sweats. GI symptoms can be important. Sometimes celiac disease presents with a, a neuropathy. So these are little added little clues um, that I ask for. And then the story is quite nice for a symmetrical sensory and motor neuropathy and that's what we call length dependence. So it seems to become affecting the very long nerves coming out of the spine. It seems to have started in the feet and then progressed upwards. The time course is also important. Six months is quite subacute really, so that does concern me a little bit. Looking at the examination, there is evidence of some wasting to the small muscles of the feet, including the extension of the Chitorum brevis. His feet are cool and pale, but the capillary refill time is still two seconds. There is some loss of hair to the lower shins, and his nails are intact with no breaks to the skin. Looking at the pertinent parts of the examination, he has some distal weakness in the, in the lower limb, and his ankle reflexes are actually absent. He has down-going plantars. His sensory examination is pertinent as well here as he has reduced pinprick to the, to the knee and the lower limbs and he has reduced pinprick on the fingertips of the right hand. It, in terms of vibration, that's also reduced up to the tibial plateau bilaterally and joint position sense is absent to the ankle. What do you think is going on here putting together the history and this examination? Does the examination change what you're thinking or, or is it in keeping with what you already thought? Well, I think the examination does actually confirm our suspicion that this is a length-dependent process. It seems to affect the distal extremities of the foot, certainly in the motor examination, without any motor findings in the upper limbs. In terms of the sensory examination, it's predominantly symmetrical as well, actually. Um, And the only thing that's asymmetrical is this reduced fingertips in the right hand, but that doesn't concern me particularly. So I I think it is in keeping with a length-dependent neuropathy, and particularly those absent ankle jerks in the presence of normal upper limb reflexes. Um, Your comments about the skin changes are very useful, and actually sometimes these patients have quite subtle changes, so they have an ankle loss of hair to the the distal part of, of the limbs, um, and that can be your only only finding. So, so, so yeah. So, so I think this is a uh, this would be in keeping with a, a length dependent process. In terms of the neurologi- neurological exam, it's, uh, do you have any tips yourself when you're examining patients of things to be aware for? As you mentioned, the ankle sock, loss of hair. Are there any other tips that you can think of? So I guess what I would say is that um, it's very easy to not examine the sensory system. Okay, people often forget it. And it is important because it gives us nice clues, really, as to this um, to the process. It's very easy to do. Uh, make sure that you compare side to side. When I'm testing sensation, I tend, if I'm thinking of a neuropathy, I test distal proximal. And that's quite distinct from the way in which I examine if I think it's a cord syndrome where I tend to test dermatomally. And that just helps me note the pattern so it's quite important to describe the pattern because that can be important in working out where the lesion is whether it's in the peripheral nerve or whether it's in the spinal cord clearly this story very much points us towards the 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 peripheral nerve there are no upper motor neuron signs here so as you mentioned we're happy that we're dealing with a peripheral nerve problem how would we go about investigating this man's symptoms at this point so I guess we've already had some pointers from the history. 
but it's very important not to assume that this is alcohol or renal or diabetic related. Um, so if there's been nothing else further in the story, I would start with routine bloods such as full blood count, ESR, B12, folate, um, ferritin, HbA1c is important here, protein electrophoresis, Benz-Jones protein. Autoantibodies are, you could debate about whether that needs to be done or not, it often gets requested in centres, but, but I don't do it routinely actually, uh, um, unless there's any story to suggest uh, an arthropathy. Mm -hmm. Thyroid function is a really important one not to miss. Um, you often have hypothyroidism associated with a neuropathy. One of the things that I do tend to extend to is, is people will often have either a poor nutrition or sometimes people now tend to have very selected diets so they can easily be B12 or have other nutritional deficiencies. With alcohol use, clearly B1 is, is an important and the other thing I have found, although this may be a bit specialist, is that gastroplasties can mean that people are deficient in micronutrients, especially copper. Copper mm -hmm. hypercuprinemia can prevent, can present with a, a B12-like picture, and in, if severe, can it even call, cause a subacute combined degeneration of the cord, but tends to be more mild, sort of a mm -hmm. peripheral neuropathy. So that's worth thinking about. Always consider HIV because HIV can present with a, with a very innocuous-looking neuropathy. It's the great mimicker. So perhaps think about that on, on, as a risk factor. Um, I feel that extended investigations such as EMG and nerve conduction study are probably not necessary in an indolent, idiopathic, length-dependent axonal neuropathy in the older population. If you've got a clear cause, however, the caveat to that is that sometimes some of the inflammatory sensory CIDPs can look a bit like this, mm -hmm. um, so it's just to be aware aware of that. And clearly, if there's any hint that this could be a cancer-associated neuropathy, I'd, I'd, I'd I would request neurophysiology, particularly if there's disproportionate gait ataxia um, that clearly might be here because mm -hmm. he's used alcohol in the past and there's multifactorial um, cause for that there will be central changes probably as well as peripheral so I think that that's worth thinking about increasingly in difficult cases we have the luxury of MR neurography which can be very helpful if we haven't worked out the etiology by then mm -hmm. I think that's not relevant in this case um, great okay and so we mentioned about nerve conduction studies and EMG uh, there. You mentioned how it can be helpful when you're already hypothesizing different diagnoses, but in terms of the process of a neuropathy, is it helpful there as well if there's a demyelinating or an axonal problem? Is there any way on nerve conduction studies to see that clearly? Yeah, so, 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 um, so neurophysiology can be very helpful just in telling us about the just about the electricity in those nerves. So we look at different parameters to try and help when we stimulate a nerve. So neurophysiologists will pick off each nerve and test either sensory or motor function. And they're really looking at the signal that they get back in terms of the latency, the time it takes to reach a peak, and the, the size of that peak, so the amplitude. Generally, myelin causes a delay, so you'll see prolonged distal motor lat latencies delayed conduction or low conduction velocities so those will point towards a demyelinating process 
um, an axonal process will tend to have preserved distal motor latencies and conduction velocities because the myelin is intact but, but the, the axon means that you get very low amplitudes. So those can be very valuable in trying to work out the process. This man may have small fibre involvement. It's quite, it's quite common for um, alcohol and diabetes to affect both large fibres and small fibres. And those the kind of history, such as the, that burning sensation, is, of course, the small, unmyelinated C fibres. Those are not examined by large fibre studies. We can't really do easy, straightforward studies of these small pain and temperature fibres. They have specialist tests that are not offered at most centres, so it is an important point that you've brought up nicely that if you get normal nerve conduction studies, just think, well, we could be dealing with a small fibre neuropathy because you could get that story and some subtle findings on examination. And again, that slightly sways you in a different direction for etiologies such as HIV, uh, um, sarcoid, um, Sjogren's. So those are ancillary questions that you'd want to, to, to inquire about. In terms of what we ask the neurophysiologists, well, of course, the neurophysiologists will be very much directed um, by our history. So what we write down in that form is, is really important when they're trying to work out um, whether Dr. Dubin thinks this is a length-dependent idiopathic um, axonal neuropathy um, or whether I'm worried that there is some other process. Um, and in fact, I may not even, in a very typical story, I may not even um, request... Um, nerve conduction studies in an axonal neuropathy. Mm. So it's more the trying to work out the unu more unusual etiologies or if there's a treatable cause, mm. such as an inflammatory neuropathy like CIDP. Okay, to help them kind of target what, what tests they'll do. Yeah. Right, yeah. Okay, great. So for our gentleman that we started the case with, the investigations have actually come back within normal limits, aside from his gamma GT, which was raised, which is in keeping with his known alcohol excess and his HbA1c, which was 81, again, in keeping with his known diabetes. So pretty much confirming what you were suggesting, Dr. Dugan, that this is likely a metabolic or toxic length-dependent neuropathy. How would you go about in terms of management and treatment options for this gentleman now? Okay, so, so there isn't really, uh, unfortunately, there isn't a disease-modifying treatment here. Um, we're really talking about damage limitation. Um, he has exonal loss, which means that you're unlikely because of the poor nature of Wallerian degeneration and poor healing of nerves, you're unlikely to make that better. What you can do is halt the process, and it'd be important to have that discussion with the patient about um, his um, lifestyle, and he may need um, referral to onwards services for addiction support. Mm -hmm. One very helpful thing would be to make sure that we try and get tighter control of his diabetes and um, careful liaison both with the patient um, perhaps give him dietary support and consider onward referral um, and an escalation in his anti-diabetic treatment. The other important thing is symptomatic relief here. He doesn't seem to be on any treatment for his pain, so you would ask him about how much that's interfering with his quality of life and whether he wants to consider um, some neuropathic pain treatment. Um, most of these act centrally. Duloxetine is a tricyclic antidepressant which is licensed in diabetic neuropathy and that can be very helpful and gabapentin is an alternative. In terms of support then he may find it helpful. He doesn't seem particularly disabled by this condition 
but that would be worth exploring um, how much it's interfering with his quality of life. If he's got a bilateral foot drop, I think we said that on examination, yes, yeah. um, then I would refer him for orthotic assessment for bilateral AFOs because obviously he's at risk of falling and tripping, uh, and that might be helpful. There may be other issues such as occupational issues or physical environment and aids and adaptations that could be addressed by, by an MDT such as physio and OT. We hope you enjoyed listening. Look out for further episodes coming out in the near future.